I've been reading lately as, as they do that, I'll just make a couple of comments. I've been reading, um, I felt stirred at the beginning of the year to, um, to read on revival. That's not, this is not my message, but as they pass the bucket, just on the side. And um, Jessica gave me a Rick Joyner book um, and it has to do with the Welsh and Azusa Street revival. Man, it's stirring my heart. I would just encourage all of us to read books and things. Um, like um, it, the Welsh revival in particular is not, on a, not unlike a time like we're living in. And to think that God can't move and God can't move on the hearts of people and change people, amen, by God's Spirit is, um, is um, and I've just been really challenged to relook at our, our world and our culture and all the quote-unquote bad news and remember that God's bigger, that God can do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. And I, and I think about like, um, like uh, um, so actually now in the second half, I'm really, and I've read these before, right? But just reading about the Azusa Street Revival and thinking about how God just brought this amazing man, William Seymour, who was an African-American guy who suffered like, oh my gosh, he would like, he was this guy that, um, if you don't know his story, there's this guy that he would listen on the door, on the step of his Bible school because they wouldn't let him in. This is 1904-ish or so, because they wouldn't let him inside because he was black. But, he, but they would open the door and let him sit on the outside. I mean, just think about that, pushing through that kind of that racism and stuff and pushing through that to be able to sit down and then bringing him and this guy Bartleman together from uh, uh, from L.A. and bringing them together and watch this amazing move of God that just just happens, right? So why not here? Like, why not now for, for a people? And all it was, like, and if you look at the Welsh revival, you look at the Azusa Street revival, and all it was was people just got hungry for more of God. They got uh, their eyes off of everything else, and they got their eyes back on God, who can do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. Amen? So I just want to challenge us this morning to think big. Think what God can do. Amen? And uh, man, if, if, you're, if all you're sowing is the bad news, then that's how we're going to be thinking. But if we think about the, the possibilities and God can do, right, it changes. We need to have a little bit of a shift. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. So that was the offering. Praise the Lord. That was the free message. This one's going to cost you. I'm just kidding. I never really knew what that meant when pastor said that. Like, well, that was for free. No, okay. Anyway, all right, let's go to John chapter 15. If you're new to us, we've been in this scripture. Our, our word for this season is fruitful. Everybody say fruitful. 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 God has called us to be fruitful. Fruitful. So let me, let's just read. Let's just go, kind of go, we didn't do this last week, but let's go back and read um, this portion of scripture one more time. So we can all memorize it and have it in us. Uh, Jesus said, John 15, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. If I say more fruit, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken. Remain in me, and I in you. Just as the branch is unable to produce fruit, by itself, unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing, everybody say nothing, without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. I mean, we've had that moment in our life where we have separated from the branch and we begin to wither. Hmm. Uh, they are gathered, oh, well, this hopefully is not, this 
part of it. They're gathered together and thrown in the fire, and they're burned. Oops. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, whatever you ask, whatever you want, excuse me, ask whatever you want and will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this. My, God, my, Father, my Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. So we've been talking about being fruitful. First week, we talked about we're called to fruitfulness. We also talked in the past, we've talked about, to go back and watch all of our messages online, but we, we, we talked about, we define what fruitfulness is. In the simple terms, we said that fruitfulness is just kingdom stuff, just kingdom stuff. So um, look at the Sermon on the Mount with Jesus speaking, look at what, how Jesus acted and what he did, look at the, even, the, even the gifts, the the uh, fruit of the Spirit, all those things wrapped up. There's kingdom stuff. God's called us to do kingdom stuff. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you are called to do kingdom stuff. Amen. Amen. So, and then, uh, then a couple weeks ago, we started this idea with this, uh, the power cut state comes from being connected. And we saw, talked about how that you receive power to bear fruit because you're connected to the vine. We use these kind of terms. We said that that when you're connected, you get the enjoyment and the benefit of having the sap of the vine flow into you. And we talked about the power of the Holy Spirit. It was a representation of the power of the Holy Spirit that flows out of the vine into us, the branch, and causes us to produce fruit. Amen? So we are called to produce fruit. And we talked about a little bit, gotten a little technical a couple of weeks ago about body, soul, and spirit and how that all flows together. Go back and listen to that message. It'll be really helpful. And if you miss it, we're teaching it in our spirit life class. was amazing in about four weeks. No, yeah, yeah, four weeks, yeah. So, um, but actually, we're teaching spirit life class. So if you've missed that, it was really, really good this morning. Um, yeah, so it was really, really good. Um, uh, let's see. And uh, we talked about the remaining. Okay, all right, here we go. All right, so today, what are we going to talk about today about bearing fruit? So we're going to take a little bit of a side journey. We're going to take a little bit of a side journey and then bring it all back at the end of this message to figure out how this connects to this idea of bearing fruit. So let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. So when you think about God, God, who God is, just close your eyes for a second. What is your picture? What is the picture that you see? What is the picture that you see? I was gonna, I'm not going to show that picture. But I want you to now open up, look at your eyes. So many of us, I was thinking, don't show the picture, but I was thinking about The Wizard of Oz. Remember The Wizard of Oz? I actually went back and watched a clip of The Wizard of Oz this week. And um, I remember, like, the Wizard of Oz. Actually, go ahead and show it. Just show the picture. This is the Wizard of Oz. They go, the great and powerful. Right? I thought it was ironic. And if this kind of triggers you, whatever, it's okay. I thought, wow, there's, like, an actual, like, there's literally an altar right there. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> like, I wonder if they got this from, like, um, from the Bible, like, and twisted it in some evil, weird way. But some of us, we think of God like this, Right? He's on this throne. He's like, I am God, the great and powerful, right? You can take that off. Like, I don't want that to be behind me for a while. But like, so this idea and watch, and the way that these, and the way these, these, um, you know, the, how many, how many of there were? There was the Dorothy, the lion, the tin man, 
and the scarecrow. Is that it? Just the four, right? So the four go up. Oh, and there's Toto. Can't forget about Toto. Toto spoils it all, by the way. Toto, Toto was led by the Holy Ghost. Pull back this deceitful curtain. You can find God in all kind of literature, right? So these, 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 these poor four people and their attitude when they approach this throne of the great and powerful Oz with the angry face, right, is all this, oh, good, great, and powerful, right? This old, weird, scared, not afraid. To, and, then the, and then Oz, like, completely gives them reason why they should be fearful and pronounces this judgment all over them and blah, blah, blah. blah. And they go, oh, oh, sorry, sorry. You're, you know, and then they, they go back and they do, they get the, you know, da, da, the witch is dead. They do that whole thing. And then they bring back the broom. Remember, they bring back the broom. And he said, too bad. I was just kidding. None of the promises were right, right? So some of us, do we have that idea of God? That this, this, this great and powerful God, is God great and powerful? Yes. yes. Right? But this idea of this angry, I don't know about you, but a lot of my childhood was filled with this kind of idea of who God was. I'm going to get you, right? I can't, he's like just itching to smack your hand, right? When you did something wrong. It's the angry God. So let's go back and look at this. Um, and look at this in the Old Testament. We're going to go back in time, the way back machine. And we're going to go back into the book of Exodus. Right? And so we're going to see, so that we know in the book of Exodus, if you're familiar with the story, um, for all these years, the people of God are held captive in, in Egypt. And God's promising freedom and all these things. And and they get led out of Egypt, and it's awesome, it's wonderful. And then God um, leads them up, it says, and, and then they have this mountain experience where they, um, they go up, and Moses goes up on the mountain, actually calls them all up on the mountain. And only Moses goes up, because they're like, no, Moses, you got this. Because they see all the great powerfulness, right? And they go, no, 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 God, no, 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 Moses, you, you got this. You just go up there and... You be our guy. Let's sing. That's the way a lot of the church is. Pastor, leader, church, whatever. You go up, you go get it, and then bring it down to us. And what God's called all of us to go up. He's called all of us to go up and hear from God and encounter God, right? And so, so Moses goes up, gets the commandments, and then like this, those poor guys, like this, Children of Israel, and you know, God love them. They're too much like us. They build, they build this calf, and they start worshiping this calf at the bottom of the hill. And God's like, Moses, go get your people. Look, there they go. There they are. There's your people. So he goes down, and Moses takes the, in a fit of righteous anger, he takes the two tablets that God gives him and throws them and destroys the calf. And they were like, Aaron, this is one of my favorite parts of the scripture. Aaron's like, and I was like, I don't know what happened. We were all just worshiping God, and we took all of this jewel, and we threw it in this pot, and out popped the calf. It was amazing. Right? And so they get, you know, a little bit of judgment. But um, 
But then so, but then we see like this, this, this interaction. This is what I want to get to, and I want to talk a little bit about this. Is this interaction with Moses, with God. And how did Moses and God relate to each other? So we see a very interesting scripture in Exodus chapter 33, starting in verse 7. It says, Now Moses took a tent and pitched it outside of the camp. A lot of theologians, we, some of us, he says they, um, let's see, and called it the tent of meeting, right? So different thing, different people say different things. I kind of lean towards this wasn't actually the tent of meeting that they, that they set up for the, with all the stuff. This was kind of, because it doesn't really allude to this, because it alludes to the fact that he just pitched up a tent, that me and God are going to meet here, right? So he, he says, he, now you can think whatever you want. Different theologians think different things. But he called this the tent of meeting. And anyone who wanted to consult with the Lord would go up to the tent of meeting that was outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, out, excuse me, Oh, let's see, where am I? Oh, I'm just lost my place. And whenever Moses went out, in, out to the tent, the people would stand up, and each one at, a, at the door of his tent, and they would, they would watch Moses until he entered into the tent. Now watch this. When Moses entered the tent, he saw, the people saw the pillar of cloud remaining at the entrance. And the Lord would speak to Moses face to face, just as a... A man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, and his assistant, a young man named Joshua, the son of Nun, would not leave the inside of the tent. It's really interesting when we think about the Oz, the great and powerful God. But yet there's this intimacy that Moses and God had. God fully, Moses fully aware, aware who God was. Right? Because he was in the mountain. He was on the mountain. And all the great and powerful stuff happening on the mountain. All the fear of God things happening on the mountain. And, and um, but God, the Bible says that, the, that, that he would enter into the tent and God would meet with him as a man meets with a friend. You know, I thought it ironic. You know, if Julie is talking about how me and Dylan talk, she wouldn't say like, you know what, you know, David, he, when he talks to Dylan, he, he, he speaks to him as a, a man speaks with a friend. Because that's just obvious. The, the idea that they even say that term, that as a man speaks with a friend, is the awe of the relationship that Moses and God had. It was, it was out of the ordinary, incredible to even think about. But see, we think about, well, see, this is, what, this is a problem we get into. We, we, and we say it in casual and not knowing our Bibles. We think like in terms of there's the Old Testament God, and then all of a sudden Jesus came, and now God's changed his whole attitude about everything. That is not Bible. That is a lot of misunderstandings of a lot of scriptures. So what we see is that God meets with him as a man meets with a, as a friend. And then, let's see. 
And then let's read another portion of Scripture. Well, and so a little bit later in this same chapter, how about this? We're not, let's not read that. A little, little later in, uh, in 33, God tells Moses, he goes again with a promise, that you're going to give him a land full of milk and honey, right? And all these things are going to be a new land that you're going to drive, you're going to take your people to, take my people to into this land. And then Moses, like, think about this. Moses says, hey, um, God, yeah, that's awesome. That's really cool. This is my version, the David Lear-inspired version. He says, hey, hey, God, um, yeah, that's awesome. I can't wait. I'm with it. I'm all about it. Um, uh, can I see your glory? Like, what? Like, how do you relate to God and say, I want to see your glory? And God says, isn't that cute? That's impossible, Moses, because if you look at me in all my glory, you will die. But what I will do, we'll make a little deal that I'll pass by you however the infinite almighty God says I'm going to pass by you. And actually, this is what he says. I'm going to show you my glory. No, that's not what he says. I'm going to show you probably the same thing, my goodness is going to pass before you. I will show, my goodness will pass before you, and I'll let you see my back. Right? Because you can't, I mean, Moses, that's cute, but that's not going to happen. But he calls it his goodness. He calls calls him his goodness will pass before you. And so then, then the story keeps going. We're just, going through chapters here. So then the story keeps going, and then this moment happens where Moses goes back up on the mountain and goes, basically, God, can I do a redo on that whole tablet thing? I kind of broke your last ones. (laughs) And God goes, cool, we're good. He does it all the same. He said, but this time, when, when we introduce it to the people, I want you're going to stand on the mountain with me, and I'm going to come down and stand next to you. In, in chapter 35 of Exodus. I'm going to stand next to you, and, we're going to, and, and I'm going to say something to the people, right? And what God does, he gets up there and he goes, how dare you people? Let me tell, tell you again how terrible all of you guys are. Again, that's not what he says. But chapter 35, 34, excuse me, in verse uh, 5. It says, the Lord came down in a cloud and stood with him. Remember, we said he's going to come down and, he said, and proclaim the Lord. And the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed this to the people. The Lord, the Lord is compassionate and gracious. Is and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth. These are the people he's speaking to that just made the cast. Maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving the iniquity and rebellion and sin. But he will not leave the guilty unpunished. God is just. Bringing consequences of the father's iniquities on the children and grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. Well, we like that judgmental part. Some of us are like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's get them. Get them, God. Get them. Get those heathens. Right? 
But what God is saying, first of all, He declares He's a God of love and full of faithful love. And what He's calling out to the people, He goes, just come. Come. I am, the, I am a God of faithful love. And whenever you come and you ask me for forgiveness, I'll forgive you. For a thousand generations, I'll forgive you. Because that is who He is. When God gets a chance to come on the scene and tell His people who He is, the first things out of His mouth is the compassion, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in faithful love. Was that what you were taught in your school when you were a little kid? Is that the first things that came out of the people? No, no, no. God is, you better do this. You better not do this. Better do this. I'll, I'll get you. That's not the first things out of God's mouth. Remember, these are the people that just built the calf. These are the people that he led out of Egypt. Hey, come on, like give me a little bit more than just a few days of your obedience to me. Right? This, I want you to see, this is what I want you to see. Here's our God who's compassionate, gracious, slow to anger. And abounding in faithful Love and God calls, and then God says, and so it says about it says about Moses that He speaks to Moses as a man speaks with a friend. And I'll and I'll lay this out for you. If you see God as the Oz, great and powerful, let me smack you for your even audacity to come to me and ask me for anything. You'll never relate to God as your friend. You know, you can do both. Understand who God is. Actually, that's what should cause you to hit your knees. But God, how could you have your gracious and compassion towards me when I am unfaithful and I have showed no compassion towards others or I've not shown you loyal love? And God just, and God, you want to call me friend? It's this idea that, and listen, and we, and this is a wrestling thing that we do with God. Like, God, I receive. It's a receiving. This is all by faith. There's no way I can wrap my mind around this. God also calls Moses friend. You don't have this, but Second Chronicles 20, verse 7 says, Are you not, are not our, our God who drove out the inhabitants of the land before your people Israel and who gave it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? So how does this all relate to bearing fruit? This seems like a completely different message. It's not a different message at all. It's the same message. This idea of how you see God and how He relates to you changes everything. And, and some of us, can, we, can I just say it? Some of us have been saved too long and we've forgotten the majesty of what this all means and the greatness of what this all is all about. i got to be honest, as I read this this week, it was just messing with me. And I go, God, I forgot how amazing this is. I forgot, like, first of all, that 
you are great and powerful and amazing. And if I don't see that, I don't understand how you comfort me, right? But, but I also know that you're also my friend. Let's go back to John chapter 15. So we read that scripture this in a little bit ago. This is the next portion of scripture. He's still in this same discourse. Remember, the. let's go back and remember the, um, the setting of when Jesus is saying this. This is after the Last Supper. This is hours before Judas is going to betray him, and he's going to be taken away. Just a few hours, right? He says, as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as, the, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you these things so that your joy... Everybody say joy. That's a thing that's missing in these days, isn't it? I have told you that these things, that, that my joy may be in you and your joy be made complete. This is my command, that you love one another as I have also loved you. No one has a greater love than this than to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you to do. Then he says this, I do not call you servants anymore because a servant does not know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. Listen to this, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and produce fruit, and your fruit should remain. See, it's all connected about bearing fruit. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give you. This is my command, that you love one another. So listen to these words. He says, so, so I have loved you. Church, hear that. Individual in this room, hear that. Hear that. As a father has loved Jesus, so he's loved you. And remember, all, like in your mind, he's talking to these disciples. Remember all the goofy things that some of these disciples have done in the past. Um, you know, you have the sons of thunder wanting to call down fire on people. God, you know, I can only imagine Jesus looking at them going, you guys are amazing. But no. It's not going to happen. And, and, and Peter, yeah, I appreciate your enthusiasm, but don't try to call me out. Pretty bad idea. Don't try to rebuke me, Peter. Aren't you cute in all your intensity? He says, as I have loved you, these disciples. And I would argue as he has loved you, individual in this room with all of your crazy things that you've thought, all the crazy times you wanted to call down fire on your some of the people that you work for and with. Hopefully it's not you work for, Jessica. I mean, <laughs> and then he says, remain in that, right? Live in that. Live in that love. Like, let that be how you live your life, understanding and remaining in the love of God, that God loves you. And then he says that your joy will be made complete. Could it be the connection of receiving the joy in this hour 
is understanding the love of the Father for you. Then he says this huge pronouncement, you are my friend. And we remember what's about to happen, right? Jesus is not unaware of what's about to happen. In a few, in just a few hours, Jesus is going to go, hey guys, would you come and just pray with me? Would you just pray with me? Friends, friends, come and pray with me. And like many of us, when we do our prayer time at night, oh, Lord, like, <laughs> wake up in the morning and go, oh, wow, that was amazing sleep. The God blesses me as I fell asleep while I was talking to him. So these, in a few hours, this is what's going to happen. The people that are the closest to Jesus are going to fall asleep on him. And is most desperate when he's over there pleading and crying drops of blood and all the things. God, take this cup. This is an amazing task that you have for me. Look back and all those guys are asleep. Love those guys. And then a few hours later, the one that Peter just said, like, look at the in-between. At the Last Supper, Jesus said, hey, you're going you're gonna, to... You're going to deny me three times, Peter. No, 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 not me. And then have that scene, and in the middle, God, God, I love all of you guys. Even you, Peter. He doesn't say this. But the allusion is to you also, who are about to deny me. Three times. The God loves you. And then, I mean, some of us have your wild testament, right? That, that in the middle of your mess, I, I know about me, in the middle of my mess that I had, of my life, and I had done the big stiff arm to God because, you know, I lost my dad when I was 16 and I'm angry. At him, me and him, we didn't really talk after that. But that God would continue to pursue me as I stiff-armed him. Man, that cute day, get your hand down, come here. God loves me and pursues me. And He chose me. In a moment, some of you know my testimony, in the moment when I was, me and this, a buddy of mine were hammered in a car and all of a sudden God visited that car in the middle of things and God spoke to both of us and drew us back to Himself in a moment. Like, let me just say that for you, and so you and you have your wayward children. The person, that person that you are wanting to come to Christ, give them to Him. Because only He can change your hearts. Only He can draw people to Himself. 
There's decisions that I had to make, for sure. And it was, can I just say, it was that we were going to start doing like our, our drug thing was going to start getting heavier and heavier. And we had this whole thing lined up for the weekend, but God intervened. changed everything because he, he goes, hey, David, you, in that car, it's not okay for you to be at where you're at. Friend, and when I try to blow up my marriage, God said, that's not cool, David. And I got stuff for you and your wife to do. So sit right down here, and let me teach you a few things. Teach you how much I love you. Teach you how much I care about you. And chasing me, was that 17 years ago, 18 years ago? No, longer than that, 19 years ago. God restored my wife and I's relationship. There was, we always say in our marriage, there's like pre-tragedy and post-tragedy in our marriage. Post-tragedy is so much better. You realize when God restores things, He doesn't make it like it used to be. God makes it like He intended it to be. So He did that for me. He did that for my wife. He did that for our children. And can I, if, if I'm your pastor, He did it for you. And it appointed me. And it appointed you to go and bear fruit. That's amazing. And that we remain in His love. If we're reminded, and we're, and that comes to a, the forefront of our minds, that I'm God didn't choose me because I'm great. He didn't choose you because you're great. He chose you because He is great, and He is full of love and full of compassion, faithful in His love towards you, and He appoints you to go and bear fruit in your crazy life that you are. called us because he loves us and remaining in his love in his love you know what's interesting about these words compassionate gracious slow to anger faithful love towards us you know what those words are all relational words they're all relational words. God wants relationship with you. And Jessica did such a great job this morning talking about that God, in the very end of 2 Corinthians, he says, I, I forgot how it quotes, grace of Jesus Christ, love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Do you know God wants to be your friend this morning? God wants to walk with you. One of my favorite, everybody, they, they kind of tease me, I like old hymns, just who I am. One of my favorite hymns is the In the Garden. That song, I'm not going to make you play it, Eric, wherever you're at. But it says, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the joy we share, as we, me and God, as we tarry there, none other will ever know. There's a place in God for you and Him. I say it all the time. You and Him. It's not even us and Him. It's you and Him. And he walks with me, and he talks with me. You know what he told me there? He tells me that I am his own. 
speaks, he speaks in the sound of his voice. I can't read. I can't do it. I'm going to mess up. God wants relationship with you in this room. And how you remain in him is by receiving his love, receiving his friendship. And what's amazing is the power of the Holy Spirit will flow off the vine into you and there'll be such a change in your life that all of a sudden the fruit will start manifesting in your life because of your nearness and comfort and dwelling with God. Let's all stand together. Eric, if you, whoever plays, whoever, whatever y'all want to do. Come on, just you and him. Come on. Hallelujah. Mm. Just stretch a second. Just go ahead and stretch. You've been sitting there for a while. Now just close your eyes. Just you and him. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge your presence within us. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you that you're not a far off Holy Spirit, but you're in us. We acknowledge you. Let me ask you this, and Holy Spirit, help us. Do you see God as your friend this morning? Do you see God, mm, this is a word I just sensed in my heart. Do you see God as an ally with you? Or is it you trying to do things to get him to do other things in that kind of relationship? You just stir up my faith. My faith has parts to, to part a part to do with. If I can just check all the moral boxes, then you don't love me. He'll accept me, and then and maybe you'll use me, and then maybe you'll like me. And or do you see God as an ally, and the Holy Spirit an ally with you? So there's an interesting word phrase in the book of Acts where it says, and the Lord worked with the apostles to get some of these things done. It's not exactly that. But it's this idea of God walking with the disciples, being inside, inside them, working with the apostles, doing the works that they did. How do you see him? As a friend? Is he the angry Wizard of Oz God? Do you see him as compassionate towards you? Holy Spirit, come. You see him as a father 
a good father. You know, one of the things, the negative things about, one of the things about losing my dad at that age is when I came back to him, I learned to see him as my father. And maybe you in this room, you've, you had bad father experiences. I just sense that this morning. Don't define God by your father experiences. Define God by what his word says about who he is. Compassion. Was your father too hard on you? Maybe that's why you see God the way you see God. Could you see Father God as the compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, forgiving you every time? If that's not how you see Him, you gotta, you, you're seeing Him wrong. And you'll never walk with Him closely like He wants to. Just hold your hands out like you're going to receive something. Like if somebody was about to give you a, uh, somebody was about to give you a pie. Just hold your hands out in front of you like you were going to receive. Say, Holy Spirit, I receive you as my ally and my friend. I acknowledge you, that you are great and powerful. And that brings comfort because you're my friend. I receive that this morning. In Jesus' name, put your hand on your head. I bind every lie that's come against the truth of the Word of God regarding who my Father is. I bind it in Jesus' name. I take that thought captive and receive the word of truth that's able to renew my mind. Now, God, help me walk in this truth daily. I receive it by faith. I receive your word by faith. We receive the engrafted word of God that's able to save our souls. God, we thank you. In Jesus' name. Just from God, the Holy Spirit. And now as we go, we're going to go. And this week, we're going to live an example. And when God gives us opportunity, we're going to speak of how good God is. And if people need correcting about how they see God, we're going to show it. We're going to show that. That God is first of all. Now, does God judge sin? Yes, of course He does. But the first things out of His mouth is compassion, faithful love. So, God, would you help us to demonstrate that this week? God, would you help us demonstrate that in our families? Compassion faithful love, 
forgiveness and our families and the people around us. We thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said amen. Amen, amen, amen. Listen, I'm so glad I don't believe in a God of anger, always disappointed in me. Amen. Some, some of you, by the Holy Spirit, hear me, by the Holy Spirit, that not everybody, and don't take this, if this is not you, this is not you, but if you had a parent that was over-demanding, you can never live up to that, never live up to his whatever, and you felt less than, and you felt whatever, all those things, many times you will equate your Heavenly Father to that. He's not that. Amen? And your father was doing the best he could. Your mom was doing the best she could with what she had. So walk in forgiveness with her or him. Amen? But understand, your understanding of who God is can be altered by your, the things. Yeah, Jessica, come on. I'll have a mic. Uh, as we're calling the passage that we, we started with going back into the Exodus story, and it said Moses set up the tent. Moses went out, and then God met. And I, I just feel burning in my heart that somebody in this room, you need to do something physically in your life to go set up that tent. You're like, yeah, I want that. I want to know God as a friend. I want, I want all that. I, I'm acknowledging maybe I've had some things getting in the way. You're identifying with some of this stuff. And, and as much as I'd love to say he's just going to drop it on you in your car randomly, you need to go set up the tent and seek him. And so what I'm going to invite the room out as we close, this altar, which is what we call a church up front, is a way that you can come up and right here set up the tent and say, right up there, I'm going to meet, I'm going to meet this friend that I'm hearing about. So whether that's right here, right now, up here, like the, it's open. Stay in the room. Take communion. Yeah, take communion again. Stay in the room. If you want someone to pray and say, listen, all of that, I'm here for it, but I'm just, it's not all syncing up in my internal world. Will someone pray for me? We're here to pray for you. And it is, I mean, I'm going to give you, I'm like hesitant to give you the out. I am going to give you the out that you can go home and do this. I don't want to do that because I feel like some, if you're like me, I'll just forget, right? And then we'll be here next Sunday. I was like, oh yeah, I was going to go set up a tent. But whatever that is for you, some of you may be even, I don't know, some of you may even be bold and be heading over to Walmart to buy a Coleman tent because you need to go set it up in the backyard. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know. But you, you need to do something that is different than what you've been doing to go say, it's, it's an act of faith. I'm going to go out of my normal habitation outside of the camp and set up a tent and I'm going to meet this God. I can't even see all's faces, which is probably a good thing. But, like, I hope this is clicking with you because it's, it's clicking with me. Is like if you're sitting there going, I want that friend, do your part and just go set up the tent. So I invite and I just, I just speak liberty into this room. I speak freedom in this room. I speak 10 seconds of courage if that's what you need to walk up here. To have that, receive that, act in that. You'll be met. You'll be met by the living God who is your friend. And if, if, if you are to dismiss the rest of us. If you're not that at this moment, please just go outside this room and have great conversations and it'll be awesome. But this room can be your tent. And even if just staying in your chair right now and saying, I'm staying right here, this is, this is my act, my physical act, that's cool. Stay in your chair, but don't miss the opportunity 
to set up a tent and take a minute to meet with him. So, yeah, with that, so you're, you're welcome to leave, sit, sit back in your chair, come up to the front, whatever you want to do. God bless you. I love you so much as we leave. Let's just go and just show the world him this week. Amen? God bless you guys. Have an amazing, amazing week.